Matthew chapter 28. We're going to start reading in verse number one. If you're there in your Bible tonight, say amen. amen. The Bible says, now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothes as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. The title of the message tonight is the news that changed everything. The news that changed everything. How many of you have ever gotten news from an unlikely source? <laughs> have you ever found out things? There's times when my kids have come and, 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 and given me information that I had no idea uh, how they heard about it. And uh, today we were sitting at the table and, and uh, Symphony, she's going to get baptized tonight, my five-year-old. She, she wants to be baptized. Praise the Lord. She said to me, She's like, I, you guys are in love, aren't you? <laughs> Looking at me and my wife. And, and I said, uh, who told you that? And she said, well, you guys got married and you have all of these children. <laughs> and her, she said it without a hesitation. I said, you know what? You're right. We are in love. And, you know, the kids process things and they understand sometimes when we don't think they do. But I want you to, tonight, we're going to look at the story, of course, of the first uh, Resurrection Sunday, the first Easter, and um, and we're going to look at just a few things uh, surrounding this miraculous event. And I want you to notice with me, first of all, tonight, it took place, the news was given in an unusual place, an unusual place, in a garden tomb, in a garden tomb. The, the news that would shake all of eternity came from a garden tomb. I heard this said, the best news the world would ever receive came from a cemetery near Jerusalem, and the news was that the tomb was empty. Now, this should have not been a surprise to Jesus' followers because, of course, on a, several occasions, he had foretold that he would die and then he would rise again the third day. But I guess they uh, had pushed this out of their minds and they just didn't quite grasp what Jesus was getting ready to do, what his final uh, statement would be, what his miraculous resurrection would all uh, involve. And so uh, we see that these women early on the Sabbath day, uh, excuse me, after the Sabbath day, this would have been early Sunday morning. And this is why we in the New Testament church, we meet on Sunday mornings and we worship God uh, uh, at that time because of the truth of his resurrection. And so these ladies, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the other Mary came to the tomb and the Bible records that they came with spices. They came to anoint the body of Jesus and they, they wanted to see the tomb and the one whom they loved, the one who they'd spent the last few years following, uh, the one who all their hopes were wrapped in, uh, they still believed that he was in the tomb, but boy, were they in for a pleasant surprise. An unusual place is where we see the news coming from, but I want you to see it was given to unlikely people 
unlikely people. You see, Mary Magdalene, if you study her in the Gospels, Mary Magdalene, the Bible says that when she met Jesus, she was demonized. She had seven devils inside of her when she met Jesus. And then, of course, any time that someone who was demon-possessed came in contact with Jesus, those demons, of course, had to flee. They had to uh, be loosed from that individual. And that's what took place for Mary Magdalene. And the Bible says that from that point on, that she walked and she went with Jesus and, and she used her resources to minister to Jesus. We know that in Jesus's entourage, there were women, and this was unusual, a rabbi of that time would not allow women to follow him. But, you know, Jesus, he broke the status quo. He loved people. He understood that there was value in women. And I'm telling you today, this church would not make it if it were not for some of these women who are praying, the Lynn Grandinettis who are praying for your pastor and others in this room. But Jesus broke the mold and he had a relationship with Mary. Mary loved him. She was there at the foot of the cross. She was the last to leave the tomb site once Joseph of Arimathea took him and laid him inside of that tomb. And I want you to understand that God, he uh, will use unlikely people. He, he will visit unlikely uh, individuals. It doesn't matter what our resume is. And what God is looking at is our heart for him and Mary. And the other Mary obviously loved him supremely. And so as they went to the tomb that day to see the, the burial site, they, uh, of course, were met by an undeniable proof. I want you to see what takes place in verse number two. And behold, there was a great earthquake. A great earthquake. And I want you to see first there, there's this, this earthquake that takes place, a supernatural earthquake. The Bible says a great earthquake. I remember a few months, a few years ago, uh, my wife was at the store and, and we had the little, little earthquake out here and, and I was on the, couch and I thought one of my kids were in the back of it kicking it or something but it was kind of moving and and I remember my wife called me up on the phone and she's like oh honey there's an earth the, the ground is moving and she was just rattled by that she you know she was just and some of you have been through some of you lived through that Northridge earthquake in the 80s and you know when the earth starts to move that's very unsettling so at the tomb site I want you to picture this there, there was a Roman guard there to protect, to keep uh, the tomb guarded because the religious leaders remembered what Jesus said by uh, promising that three days uh, later that he would rise from the grave. And so they put the, these elite soldiers in front of the tomb to guard it. But all of a sudden on that Sunday morning, uh, the ground began to shake. A, a, a mighty earthquake took place. And, and then we see an angel descending. The Bible says in for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven. I want you to picture this. Uh, the earth is shaking and then an angel is descending down to this very tomb. And, and, and you can imagine those soldiers looking up at the sight of this. And the Bible describes this angel and his countenance was like lightning. Uh, his face was like lightning. And the Bible says that these elite soldiers, that these strong Roman guard that they immediately begin to shake and tremble and, and they all fainted at the sight. Could you imagine that? And this is what is taking place. And 
Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they're just watching this play out. And the Bible records that the angel came down and he, he, he gets, he, he takes the stone and he moves it out the way. I want you to understand that that, that tombstone, that stone in the front of the opening of that tomb where Jesus had laid, oh, it would have been extremely heavy. So, uh, but it looks like that angel just moves it aside easily. And then the Bible says that he sat on top of it. And as he sat there, he began to give a supernatural announcement to them. He says, I know you are here to look for Jesus who was crucified, but I have news for you. He is not here. He is risen. He lives. And this is an announcement that would would change everything. This is news that will change the scope of eternity for everyone who believes on Jesus And so the reason why he, of course, rolled the stone away was not to allow Jesus to come out. You see, Jesus was already been long gone. And as he uh, took those women, they went inside of the tomb. They saw his burial clothes. Uh, They saw it and they were they were not there was not a struggle there and and you see his clothes there and you see at the top where his head would have been there was a napkin uh that covered his head and it was folded uh gently and and uh there was no struggle uh jesus had of course conquered death in the grave and and he had left uh the grave and he didn't need to open the the opening of the tomb because we'll see in just a little bit uh jesus would would appear places he would he would appear in a closed room. He had, he debuted that new glorified body that I look forward to having that does not have to uh, walk through doors. It can appear anywhere. And this is what the angel declared. He was showing that the tomb was empty. You know, there are famous tombs throughout our world and they're all famous for what is inside of them. The pyramids of Egypt, for example, are famous because they contain the mummified bodies of ancient kings of of Egypt and Westminster Abbey in London is renowned because it rests the body of English nobles and notables and Muhammad's tomb is noted for the stone coffin and the bones that it contains and the Taj Mahal was built as a memorial to a wife of India's, uh, one of India's Shah and uh, the Arlington Cemetery in Washington DC is revered for it it holds the resting place of many outstanding American Americans. But I want you to know tonight that the garden tomb of Jesus is famous, not because of what is inside of it, but because it is empty, my friends, and it still is. It's undeniable proof. Supernatural announcement. But I want you to see not only is the announcement from the angel proof, that Jesus is alive, but I want you to see he appears, his appearances, Jesus's appearances. As we go on, the angel tells them to come and see where he lay. And then in verse number seven, he gives them instructions. He says, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. And so uh, he said he will see you there. And um, the angel is giving instructions for these uh, to, to go and to tell others and, and to tell the disciples and, and go and, and share the good news that he is risen. And Jesus uh, will soon appear to them. I want you to understand today, uh, we too have that same promise that one day Jesus will appear or we will go to be with him. But I want you to uh, just grasp that this, this evening because 
because we have a living Savior. He isn't dead. He isn't in the grave. We have hope beyond the grave because he lives tonight and he appears. I heard of a man who was driving his kids to church on an Easter Sunday and his Three-year-old, uh, he was trying to explain what, you know, the significance of Easter and how Jesus had risen from the grave. And in his, in the back seat, the three-year-old piped up and he said, will he be in church today? <laughs> Speaking about Jesus. I don't know about you, but when I come to this church, I sense his presence. I, I know he's alive. He inhabits the praise of his people. He's alive today. He's alive and he showed himself alive, the Bible says, by many infallible proofs in Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. And he showed himself alive for 40 days. He appeared to many. He, he would, at one occasion, he would appear to 500 people at once. You see, the Bible records at least a dozen appearances of Christ after his resurrection. And he, of course, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene uh, and then to the disciples on the road to Emmaus and, and then to larger crowds. And, and I want you to understand that the, there is more uh, historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ than there are for many other events that people never try to question throughout history. And I'm telling you, we got a more sure uh, faith that we can place our eternity upon the fact that Jesus has risen. He's alive. Oh, another proof, not only his appearances, but the, the change in the behavior of the disciples. You know, when Jesus was off the scene for those few days, they were running and they were hiding. They were in, they were in a seclusion, but something took place. And all, all of a sudden, now they're bold. All of a sudden, now they're in the streets declaring. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, they're, they're, they're willing to go to death because they will not deny Jesus. And I'm telling you, there's something that took place, and it was that they saw the risen Savior. And I want you to understand that we must, we must allow the, the resurrection of Jesus to embolden us as well. All other religions at the, at the founding of their faith is a dead founder. But us, we serve a risen Savior. And this should uh, embolden us to share the good news with people, to go and tell. This is what first the angel said to come and see, right? And then he said to go and tell. That should be the model of our life, to go and see Jesus, to spend time with Jesus, and then to go and tell others of what he has done, what he's accomplished. The resurrection of Jesus is the crowning proof of Christianity. The resurrection, if it didn't take place, then Christianity is a false religion, but we know it did take place. So it should be what, what allows us to go into the world with the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and share it boldly. And I'm telling you, God will bless that he is with us when we are uh, bold witnesses for what he has done and who he is. undeniable proof when the angel came down and he told them and he showed them the empty tomb and then Jesus would appear. I want you to see it. The Bible says in verse number nine, and as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them. Jesus met them saying, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. I know there's a lot of things. There's a lot of news today that causes us to be depressed. Every single time that I turn on the news, I am depressed. <laughs> Every time I see 
all the melee, all what's going on in our world, it causes me to, to grieve. But I want us tonight to, to just remember that our hope isn't in this world. Our hope isn't in this country. Our hope isn't in our financial situations. Our hope is in Jesus Christ and that he is risen. And we can rejoice tonight. I know some of you came in here in pain. I know some of you are going through it, but I want you to rejoice tonight. And this is what these ladies were able to do. They were so privileged that Jesus met them in the way. And I'm, I've learned this, that Jesus always meet, meets us in our obedience. You see, if they weren't seeking God, if they weren't obeying what the instructions that were given to them, I don't think that they see the, re- the risen Savior before anyone else does. And I'm telling you tonight, uh, we must allow uh, God to have our hearts and it causes us to walk straighter. You see, we can rejoice in the resurrection one day and then we can turn and, and, and live a life that, uh, that, that, that tends to say that we don't believe he's alive. And I want us to understand that Mary Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they were met by Jesus because they were right where they should have been. Will you be right where you're supposed to be when he comes? <laughs> Will he find you uh, in, in church when he comes? Will he find you serving him when he comes? And I, I want to just encourage you with this tonight. I, I know it looks like uh, things are, are progressing down towards the end of times, and, it, and they very well are, I believe. But I want you to understand that God said to us, and Jesus wants us to occupy until he comes. He wants you being faithful to him until he comes. He wants you still worshiping until he comes. He he wants you a right in the will of God until he comes. He wants you to stay married until he comes. He wants you to stay loving your children until he comes. He wants you right smack dab where he wants you. And I'm telling you, he'll meet you right there. He'll give you the grace. Amen. Jesus said to them, rejoice. And they, their response was to worship. They they grabbed his feet and they worshiped. Could you imagine just being able to put your hands on the feet and see the scars there? There's only one thing in, in heaven that's man-made, and it's the scars that Jesus still bears till this moment. It's what he told Thomas, remember? He said, hey, Thomas, he was, he was doubtful like sometimes we are, and he said, except I see him as if I put my hands on him. And Jesus said, when he met him in that room, he said, hey, see my hands here, put your hand in my side and where he was pierced by that sword, where the, the blood and the water came out. And I'm telling you, he saw and he felt, and you know what he did? His only response could be my Lord and my God. He bowed down and he worshiped Jesus, just like these ladies did on that road. And I want you to understand that what we need to be doing is worshiping him. We need to be uh, living a life that is worshiped him. And we need to be uh, constantly seeking uh, to bring him honor and to bring him glory. And, and this is what they did. They worshiped him. And I want you to see what Jesus says to them in verse number 10. He says, do not be afraid. Obviously, there was still a little fear in their heart. Because, <laughs> because you imagine he disappears, you know, it's kind of like when, when you're, uh, when the principal comes or, or when your boss, that big boss comes in job and there's a little, uh, a little, uh, anxiousness that day at the office and, and far more so, I believe, for these ladies. This was Jesus, their savior before them, God in the flesh. And so he said, do not be afraid. And then he tells them, 
to go and to tell. He tells them to go. And I've learned this, guys, that we must not keep the good news of the resurrection to ourselves. Jesus instructed them to go and tell. And I believe he's instructed us the same. Your life has a purpose. And I want you to know that the greatest purpose of my life and your life is to tell others that Jesus saves, that he is alive. There is no greater privilege. There's no nothing of much uh, of as much importance as going and telling the lost that there is a savior. And I, I, I know I feel like often we, we come back here, but I want you to understand we as God's people should emphasize what he emphasized. And the very last thing that he said to his disciples was to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. So his last command should be our first priority. Let me ask you, Christian, uh, are you telling us? others about the risen savior if you aren't you're in disobedience and you will never have the peace and the and the and the fulfillment that that God wants you to have if you aren't a witness for him you know one of the sure signs of being filled with the spirit is to witness is to boldly tell others about Jesus And I'm telling you, he'll make you do it at the most inopportune times. (laughs) I I have so many stories that I can share with you, but I'll never, ever regret. You know, I have many regrets, and it's usually when I do not listen to the Holy Spirit. It's usually when I do not witness, when I am not faithful to go and tell about the risen Savior. These women, they... They were successful. They, they would leave and go and tell. And, and even though they were the unlikely crowd, they were the ladies who had checkered past. Um, and even to the point where Peter and John had to come to the tomb themselves to verify. They didn't believe the word of these little women. But when they came, they saw it to be true. And, and I'm telling you, when we go forward in faith and we are our tellers of the good news, God will honor that. God will give us uh, favor. He will give us uh, the, the insight and in how to do so. And you might be saying tonight, Pastor, I'm just too shy. I'm just too introverted. Or I just, I just can't imagine. That's my worst fear, talking to people. And I'm telling you, God will give you the grace if you pray for it. If, if you ask God to give you the strength, he will give it to you. So we see the first the news that changed everything, it came in an unusual place. It came from a garden tomb, it came to unlikely people. Um, you know, one of the things I love about Westside is we, we're, this is the church where the broken people are. There's no celebrities in this church. There, there, no one in this church is on their high horse. I love this about Westside. And God uses unlikely people. And he wants to use us in this day. And these women were used. And there is so much proof to his resurrection, the truth of it. And he himself showed them that. And we have a privilege, an unbelievable privilege was the last point, to go and to tell. To go and to tell. I truly believe that when we go to heaven, the crowns that we will lay at his feet, I think some of those will be the, the, the souls that came into the kingdom because of our faithful labor, our faithful witness, 
you know, some of you who, who are faithful to serve in that nursery <laughs> so that people can come here and hear the gospel. And I'm telling you, there's rewards for that. There's rewards for that. But I want to, to encourage us all tonight in the truth that he is risen. He's alive, church family. And so we have a reason to celebrate. We have a reason to rejoice tonight. Never get over the fact that he's risen.